God. We love you and thank you that there's grace for every one of us. Pray that you would speak to each of us now, right at the point of our deepest need. You would remind us that you're present with us. You would remind us that you have a plan for us. You would remind us about Jesus. And um, we love you so much. It's in your Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you haven't had a seat, you can go ahead and do that. Thanks a lot for braving the weather today to come out. Uh, I know that those of you who came late, you actually got a gift. And typically, I wouldn't encourage you to come late ever. But if you came late, it was actually between squalls, you know. So there wasn't actually any rain falling when the people were coming in just a moment ago. So anyway, so hey, I just want to mention a couple things as we start. Our Uganda team made it to Uganda. They're having a wonderful time. They're 11 hours ahead of us, so they've already had church. And so I just want to show you a couple of pictures that they had this morning. This is the church that we built last year that we contributed finances to. Our team uh, helped to put together with the bricks. It's finished. And they had the dedication service this morning. And it was so wonderful to see those pictures. Let's see the next one. That's the outside. This is the inside. And you see what was going on. It was just a wonderful experience. And thank you so much. I know the team is engaged in uh, caring for the uh, orphans that we sponsor. And then they're also engaged in helping to build other, another church while they're there and engaging in leadership development. Uh, also, uh, you helped to contribute to uh, purchase hearing aids for two of the kids. And so that's in process. They've already gone to Kampala and that they've been tested. And so the process is in place for them to actually get the hearing aids as we gave to that uh, right, but right before the team left, a few months before that. So, hey, just a heads up about that. So, I'm glad you're here today, and we begin this new series called Be Hope, Be the Hope, I mean, and uh, I was just so encouraged as we've been thinking a lot about uh, our 25th anniversaries on March 5th, and uh, who are we as a church, and what has God called us to be, and uh, what has He called us to be, especially as we look at culture, and uh, I'm just so excited about this series and what I think that God wants to do in me. And hopefully he wants to do in you as well as we get to walk together and learn some things together. Uh, I just know that uh, kind of the whole idea of the series uh, comes from a lot of things that we just observe. And, uh, you know, as we went through the election season, I hate to quit, you know, keep bringing up the election, but we're not finished with it yet. You know, we have the inauguration here coming up uh, on the 20th. But uh, as we went through the election season, uh, it was divisive. Uh, for some, it was incredibly devastating uh, when we got to the result. Uh, it became obvious as we went through that season, <coughs> there's deep problems in our national family. It's just obvious. Any sane person realized that we could not go forward doing business as usual with such <coughs> deep chasms between people. And since the election, it's not improved. In fact, it seems to be ramping up even more. We've seen even more racial tension, world chaos, fear, hatred, uh, name-calling. And so as we look at this, I don't know about you, but I just wonder, what's going to stop all this? What's going to stop all this? Well, I'll just say it real clearly right now. It won't be the government. It will not be the government. See, our hope is not who's in the White House, but our hope is the one who, was, who died for us on the cross. So it won't be in the government. Now, I'm not saying that it's bad to be in government. I love the fact that we have people that participate in the government, and we need to support it in every way that we can. But that's not the hope that our country needs. I believe the hope that our country needs is change. And it's for the church 
This is really, you know, if we look at the church, we can't blame our country. I think we need to look inside, blame the church. It's for us to embrace our God-given responsibility and quit living for ourselves. I really think that's part of the issue. Instead, we need to take the Bible seriously, and we need to realize that God has placed us at this time and this place to be his means of change. And reconciliation and transformation and hope will come as we engage, as God has called us to engage as a church in this world. See, as a church, we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world, don't we? Yeah, we believe that. And our role as followers of Jesus in his church are to be so immersed in a relationship with Jesus that we become like him. We become like him, and therefore, we influence the world (coughs) for him. So Jesus is the hope of the world, and he gave his his church the task of representing him in in this world. So in our post-truth culture, there is truth that still stands, and we looked at this on our Christmas Eve services, the truth of John 3.16 still stands. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And I'll just say it this way, folks. Without Jesus, the world is perishing. That's what that verse says. Without Jesus, there is no hope. But with Jesus, there is hope. And therefore, if we're going to be the hope, we must help others to know Jesus And we must help them to grow in Jesus. So for the next few weeks, we're going to look at ways that we can do that. We're going to talk about what God has called our church to do to carry out the call as ambassador of Jesus in the age in which we live. Jesus said that we should go into all the world and that we should make disciples. We should baptize those disciples. And then we should teach them to obey everything he said. And then he said this, and I will be with you. As you engage in my purposes, I will be with you and you will know me. And you'll be able to walk in intimacy with me. So in this series, we're just going to look at the things that we do together (coughs) that help us to fulfill that mission that draws closer to Jesus. And at the same time, I believe, create a movement that others can engage in with us on this journey. So this series is really others-focused. It's others-focused. As we engage, we push the boundaries out so that as the boundaries are pushed out, other people can fill in. We push the boundaries out, other people can fill in as we're engaged with him. So today what we're going to do is we're going to just talk about how we can pray for others this year. Each year we have a church prayer, and this prayer is significant. Uh, as we talk about how we can pray for others in our church, in our world. And we're going to look at a prayer that Paul prayed, uh, the Apostle Paul prayed in a church called Colossae, uh, in Colossians chapter (coughs) 1. Excuse me. So if you want to, you can go ahead and open your Bible to Colossians 1. It's in the New Testament. So, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then you go through Acts and Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, and then just keep traveling and you'll get to Colossians. And so that's a great place to be, Colossians chapter 1. Also, grab your message notes. 
You'll be able to use these to follow along. All the Bible verses we'll use will be here as well. And I'll just say it this way. If you don't own a Bible, we'd love for you to have one so you can become familiar with it and read it yourself. So there's a bookshelf right out in the lobby. If you grab one of these Bibles today, we'll give it to you. <clears throat> and that's our gift. So now we're going to talk about prayer. If you've ever wondered how to pray for someone else, we're going to talk about that today. If you've ever wondered when someone asked you, how can I pray for you? We're going to give you the answer today. It's from these verses in Colossians. But what I want to do before we dig into the prayer is I want to read Paul's setup for the prayer. It's in the top of your notes, beginning with verse 3. He says this, we always, circle that, always pray for you, and we give thanks, circle that, give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. We have not stopped praying for you, not stopped praying for you. Since we first heard about you. Now, one of the beautiful things about this <coughs> prayer in this section of scripture we're going to look at today is Paul is writing to people he's never met. He's never met these people. He's only heard about them. He just knew that they existed. So talk about this in our church. There are people in this church you've never met. There's people in this church you don't know. But we're encouraged to pray for all of us together that we would embrace what Paul wants us to see. So he kind of gives us a, a kind of <clears throat> throat coat right here, okay? I hope it works. He kind of gives us some um, background for why he prays. First, he says, I'm praying because I'm thankful. For As I look at you, I'm thankful for what God <clears throat> has done in your life and done for you. And he's grateful that they were willing to, at some point, stand against the flow of culture and to continue to stand against the flow of culture and say yes to Jesus Christ and to follow him. So he's thankful for that. He's grateful that they made that choice. It also says that he prayed always. So I would say that, just to be honest, it's not saying that he prayed for this church you know, 24-7. Uh, but he's saying that he consistently prayed for them. So when he would have prayer times, he would make sure that he was lifting up these Colossian Christians. He prayed consistently. But he also prayed specifically. And so that's what we want to look at today. What was the specific prayer he prayed for these Colossian followers of Jesus. And so I think that really when we look at this today, it really doesn't matter what's going on in the life of someone else. You can almost be assured that everybody needs you to pray this prayer for them. That everybody needs you to pray this prayer for them. So let's just look at it. We're going to talk about how to engage together and pray for others. And so... Six ideas. There's six separate prayers. I'm going to tell you how we're going to do this at the end of our, my talk in just a moment. We're going to engage together to pray that others will first discover God's wisdom and spiritual understanding. Discover God's wisdom and spiritual understanding. So we're going to just continue through these verses in Colossians 1. And 9b is where I'll read first. We ask God to give you complete knowledge, you might circle the word knowledge, of his will, and to give you spiritual wisdom, go ahead and circle wisdom, and understanding, circle understanding, because I'm going to help us to understand what all three of those mean as we go through that. So what Paul's wanting us to know, <coughs> right up front, he's affirming, he's affirming Jesus' words when Jesus answered his disciples and they asked him how to pray, 
And Jesus answered by saying, you pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So what he's saying is he's saying it's really good for us to pray for God's will to be done in the lives of others, to pray that his will would be done. So when you pray for someone to know God's will, you're praying that they will know the direction. You might think about that, the direction that God has for them. <clears throat> it's not specifically the details because you know we don't know the details. So we're basically asking God, guide the direction of the person in the place that you would have them to go. You're praying that others will have a deep experiential knowledge of God, which is available as a follower of Jesus, walks in the spirit, and grows in awareness of God. So first of all, that they would have a knowledge, we're going to talk about this again in just a minute, but a knowledge of God. So it's knowledge about the facts of God, uh, knowledge about the person of God, uh, that I would understand who he is, that I would understand what he does, and so I would understand the things about him, and that he wants me to be in relationship with him. So when you pray for knowledge, though, you're praying for more than just the accumulation of facts, now, right? Because there's a lot of people who have a lot of facts about God, but when you look at them, they don't seem to live for God, but they have a lot of information about him. But you're actually praying for the application of those facts, okay? So that's knowledge. Now, wisdom, wisdom is when you pray for the principles of God to be known. So knowledge is the person of God. Wisdom is the principles of God. So you're praying that now someone not only knows the person of God, but they now know the, and understand the principles of God as the Holy Spirit guides them. And then understanding is how to, how to work it all out. How do I apply that? You know, I, I, here's who God is. Here are the principles that I know he wants me to live by. And then understanding is now in my world, how do I live that out? How do I make those things happen uh, for me uh, to be able to do that? So when you pray for God's knowledge, it's that you would know the person. You pray for God's uh, wisdom, you know, the principles. And then you pray for understanding is that you would know how to live those things out, the specific things that he's called me to do. So basically, in this first part of the prayer, you're praying for someone else that they would see things the way that God sees them. They would see things the way that God sees them. And then know how to act, okay? So that's the first prayer that we'll be praying. Second prayer, we're going to engage together to pray that others will honor God by walking faithfully in his ways. Honor God by walking faithfully in his ways. Verse 10a says, then you will live always, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. So when I know God's will and I have wisdom and understanding, then how I live will honor and please the Lord. So Paul moves us a little bit further, and he takes us a little bit deeper here. He doesn't just pray that his readers would see things the way that God sees them. He prays that they would do things the way God says, that they would do things according <coughs> to his way, that they would faithfully seek to honor him, and they would seek to please him in all they do. So what Paul is praying here is that a person would always seek to honor God and that they would please the Lord. So to honor God means that what I do lifts God up so that when someone sees my life, they're not going, well, what kind of God does this person believe in? Which we hear a lot, right? But they would say, I want to know the God that person believes in. So that's honoring God. And pleasing the Lord, that means 
this is the harder part, I'm going to surrender and submit to him. That's what pleasing means, that I'm going to surrender and submit to him. So that's what we're going to be praying, that as we live, our lives will lift God up as the people, as we surrender and submit our will to him. So what does it mean to honor God? Well, honesty honors God, character honors God, justice honors God, mercy honors God, caring for the poor honors God, standing up against racism honors God, standing up for the rights of those who can't stand up for themselves honors God, civility honors God, spiritual fervor honors God, sacrifice honors God, generosity honors God, humility honors God. So you see, all of those, everything that I mentioned there, it calls for a person to die to self. Dying to self, surrendering to Jesus, honors God. The first step is that I surrender and submit myself to his ways, not my ways. And this act of spiritual surrender pleases Jesus. We can determine what is right, or we can let God determine what is right. That's the key. We can determine what we think is right, or we can turn to God and let God determine what is right, and then we can live by what God says is right. So to pray that others will walk faithfully means that they're going to do everything they can to honor God, and they're going to submit and surrender to him. Okay, that's the second part of the prayer. The third part is this. We gaze together to pray that others will reflect God's nature (coughs) and loving presence. Reflect God's nature and loving presence. 10b, and your lives will produce, okay, so notice how it's flowing here, it's flowing, you know his will, you honor him, then what happens is your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. Now, I just want to stop there and say, doesn't that sound awesome, that your life would produce every kind of good fruit, that, you know, that you want your life to be fruitful, meaningful, have purpose, and that it would be able to reflect that to the world. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. That's the second part of knowledge here we want to talk about. I'm knowing him, knowing, I know him better and better. So here's the deal. When Jesus, and we can read about, you can read about this in the book of Acts chapter 1. When Jesus ascended to heaven to be at the right hand of his father, that he would forever pray prayers of intercession for us, Jesus said this to his followers, to the church. He said this, I am leaving you, and the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you are going to be my, what was the word he used? Anybody remember? Witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses. And so that means that every single follower of Jesus is an extension of Jesus' life. Everywhere you go. Every single follower of Jesus is an extension of Jesus' life. He has left us here, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, he says he has left us here to be his ambassadors, uh, and so his representatives. And so what he's meaning is, is that as we live our lives, we represent Jesus. And so we want to represent Jesus accurately. And so that's what this whole idea is in this section of the prayer. <coughs> Jesus wants us to be his witnesses And he says, as you're my witnesses, then you're going to have an impact for others. So what we do is we have the privilege here of praying that others, praying for their lifestyle, their behavior, their conduct, their words, their choices, that all they do 
would reflect truthfully back to Jesus. That all we do. And what you're praying here is that others will be able to make a contribution with their lives because they're clearly reflecting God's nature and his loving presence. And it begins as you know God better and better. And so if you remember, when our, those of you who were here, when we had our Stand Out series, that's why several of us still wear the blue bands, is uh, from our Stand Out series. Uh, and so uh, this series was a call <coughs> to be who God has called us to be, to be who God has made us to be. Who are we? We are followers of Jesus Christ. What does a follower of Jesus Christ do? A follower of Jesus Christ represents Jesus to the world. And so we looked at that series. And so if I'm a follower of Jesus, and so this is for those of you who are, if you're not, this is not for you yet. But if you are, if you're a follower of Jesus, your responsibility is to be a positive influence for Jesus in our world so that others see his presence in me. I mentioned this to you in, uh, right around Christmas time, but in, in, towards the middle of December, I had the privilege of giving the invocation at the Chamber of Commerce Christmas breakfast. They called me up and said, would you give the invocation? Well, you know, I, I like to know what I'm walking into, so I said yes first, and then I figured it out. <laughs> and so I, I thought, well, what is an invocation? And so, I mean, I kind of had an idea, but I said, you know, what is an invocation? I knew it was going to be a prayer. And so I Googled it, and I wanted to do the best job I could. It's all me. I wanted to do the best job I could, so I wanted to know what an invocation was. So I went out and researched that. And I, I read several articles on what makes a good invocation, what is it, definitions, and all those kinds of things. And most of them talked about the fact that in an invocation, you need to be inclusive and ecumenical. In other words, you need to be really safe in your prayer, okay? But I read one article that transformed me in the way I did that day, but it's also changed me since. And this is what the guy said. When you pray, let your relationship with God come out. So let the people see and hear when you pray that you know God and you have a relationship with him and let his presence ooze out. And so that's what I did. And I, I, I had a lot of comments about the prayer that came out that day. I have no idea what I prayed, uh, honestly. A lot of comments that came out of that uh, from different people in different settings. <clears throat> but how it's changed me now is that as I'm walking around now, I'm asking God to let his presence ooze out of me. You know, when people ask me for help, instead of me giving them answers, I'm saying, God, let your presence ooze out of me. And so that's been so helpful for me. And that's what Jesus is calling all of us to do, is to let his presence ooze out of us. And what would be his presence? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He wants that to ooze out of us wherever we go as we reflect him and his nature to our world. And I'll just say this, <clears throat> our world needs a group of people. We need individuals, but we need a group of people who reflect God's nature and loving presence accurately. And I just say, will we be the ones? Will, be the, will we be the ones to do this? Okay, so that's the third prayer. The fourth prayer is this. <coughs> I would depend on God's strength and mighty power. I would depend on God's strength and mighty power. 
verse 11a. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. So basically here, what I'm doing is I'm praying for others that they will have a strength that's supernatural, a strength that's not their own, that comes out of this relationship they've established with God, and that we would be able to have first endurance. And so endurance means to be able to have perseverance or stand strong in the uh, struggles of life, the circumstances that are against us, to trust God in the middle of every circumstance, and then Patience. Now, I wish this part wasn't there. I'm, you know, I, I need patience. There's, that's for sure. But it's a challenge for me in this way. But patience means that I'll have the strength to die to self. The strength to die to self when things don't go my way. That's patience. Strength to die to self when things don't go my way. To remain peaceful while awaiting an outcome. To calmly deal with difficult people. That's patience. So we need strength in all things, right? Endurance and patience. How many of you guys got to watch the game yesterday, the Oakland Raiders? Hate to bring it up. You know, it's painful. You know, oh, painful stuff. And, you know, the Oakland Raiders, they, they, they played this, you know, wonderful season. Uh, I think it's 14 years, right, since they've been in the playoffs. And so they played. Uh, and so it, it, was, it was really cool. You watch them rise from laughingstock to playoff contender. You know, you watch them kind of rise in this way. Now, the person on the team that made the biggest impact was Derek Carr. And, you know, Derek Carr, up until two weeks ago, unfortunately, his name was in the hat for MVP of the National Football League for the season. And then he broke his fibula in the fourth quarter of a meaningless game that they were winning by a lot of points. And so he broke his fibula. Now, what you may not know, so that was the end of his season, his Cinderella season, but as we saw in the next two games, it was the end of the Raiders, too. Okay, so we saw that, you know, play out. What you may not know is that Derek Carr is a follower of Jesus, a very vocal follower of Jesus. And so after the accident, after the game, this is what he tweeted. He says this, thank you to everyone who has been praying for me. Things happen in life that we don't always understand, but I do know this. I serve a God that loves me. And it has the ultimate, and is the ultimate healer. I am not worried one bit. I will bounce back and be on my feet within no time. So this is Derek Carr exhibiting amazing endurance and patience. The strength of the Lord was on Derek Carr as he wrote those words. And folks, I just say, no matter what happens in our lives, no matter what goes on, we can still believe the words of Philippians 4.13 that says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me his strength, his strength, according to his glorious might. So the prayer that we would pray is that others would have the strength to endure and to be patient in their circumstances or in spite of their circumstances, okay? Next prayer, fifth prayer. Be filled with God's deep and abounding joy. We pray that others will be filled with God's deep and abounding joy. And it's so simple. It just says this, may you be filled with joy. Now, for me personally, I'm a joy-challenged person. And so uh, I really am. Uh, and it's one of my biggest uh, spiritual growth opportunities, uh, as I look at it, is to grow in this area of joy and especially, you know, when I'm on three and a half weeks of being sick, so I, I was lamenting um, on 
Friday, my journal was full of lament. And so, in fact, as I was lamenting, I just thought, you know, I have a choice right now. I can continue to lament or I can choose to praise. So I made a choice to choose to praise at that moment. And it helped change the feeling I had at the moment. Filled with joy. Do you know what, folks? Our church, the people who come here need you to pray for them that they will be filled with joy. Do you know why? Because as people see people, uh, as people watch the folks of Twin Cities Church in the world, in their culture, in our jobs, uh, in our, you know, at the soccer fields, at the coffee shops, if we're walking around with mean, sourpuss faces, then that's who they're going to think God is. But if we're filled with joy, then we're able to withstand the circumstances and have strength even that we didn't have before in the situations that we're in. So uh, to be filled with joy. Now, this is, this is different than, you know, if I were to fill this all the way to the brim, it's full and it, you know, it's really worthless. It's full of water or, you know, throat coat, whatever I put in here, or tea, something. But the idea here is not to fill something to the brim, but I want to show you a picture. Jessica, pop this up for me. This is the picture that we're talking about here. To be filled with joy is to fill a sail. And so as the wind fills the sail, what the wind does, see, this is worthless. It just sits here full. When, the, when I'm filled with joy, it pushes me forward. It creates movement. It creates opportunity for me to be able to go through life. And I can't imagine the exhilaration of the people in this boat right now, right? Of going through with the wind blowing in those sails and pushing them forward. Well, that's what God wants us to experience, his joy filling us up and pushing us, creating movement so that others can see that we, had, we know his joy. Okay, so there's five prayers. There's one more because we're going to add another one this year. Uh, instead of just five, we're going to add six, and it's this. <clears throat> I would express abundant <clears throat> and hopeful gratitude for God's provision. And the reason I wanted to make sure to separate this from joy is because of this. Gratitude is the number one step to joy. Gratitude is the number one step to joy. And so if we could get to the place where we could be more grateful, then we would experience more joy as we go through life. And this is what Paul says, always thanking the Father. So he ends the prayer again with always, thanking the Father. Now, I'm going to read this. I'm going to have you underline three words as we go through there. He has enabled, underline that, enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred, underline that, transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So as we look at this, he's saying, always be thanking God. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, just as I mentioned a moment ago, as my, you know, my journaling on my Sabbath day is that it was all lament at first. And then I realized that I needed to change it to praise. Well, uh, same thing with my prayer life. Many times when I pray, I spend my time talking to God about things that aren't right. I spend my time talking to God about things that are wrong in my life. How about you? Anybody else do that? That's your majority of your prayer time? So I just thought, what if I would spend my time instead thanking God for what's right in my life and what's right in the world? What a difference that would make in my prayer life if I would spend my time doing that. <clears throat> and then Paul says... Here's why I'm thankful. And he says, here's three things. God has enabled you. So what that means is, is that God has 
enabled you to be something that you couldn't be without him. He's enabled you. So you can thank God for that. Also, he's transferred you. What that means is that I was a spiritual orphan and that God allowed me to be transferred as a spiritual orphan into being included in the family of God, a child of the Most High God. And then the last thing is he purchased us. I can be grateful because God purchased us. And when he purchased us, what that means is he gave Jesus Christ that I could be set free and that I could know him in eternity forever. And that's why Paul was so grateful. And that's why he could always give thanks for the Colossian Christians. So our prayers are stimulated by what God's done. Our prayers are sustained by what we believe that God wants to do. And our prayers are specific. We make our requests known to him. And so I've given you six requests. And so everyone has a card in your program that looks like this. It says, be the hope on the front. And then it gives you a a way, it it lists all six of the prayers here. So this is what I'm going to encourage you to do, is that as we engage together to pray, that's what we're doing. We're engaging together to pray. I'm asking you today to commit with me that you would be willing to pray these six prayers, not every day, one prayer a day, Monday through Saturday, one prayer a day, Monday through Saturday. As you're engaging with God, and you would pray a prayer for the people in our church, followers of Jesus. Now, you know, well, I want to pray this prayer for me, right? Well, here's the deal. If you pray this prayer for the other people this church, you will have somewhere around 13 or 1,400 people praying for you. Doesn't that sound good? 13 or 1,400 people praying for you every day of the week. Praying for you. These prayers. And then we would engage together to do that as a church family. And I'll keep reminding us throughout the year uh, on how we can do that. <clears throat> and then another thing that we want to do just to kind of engage us in prayer as we start this year is uh, on January 22 at 5 o'clock that we're going to have prayer here in our um, auditorium. And so just want to let you know on January 22 at 5 o'clock we're going to gather here to pray. And we're going to pr- pray throughout the year just various times. We realize that we want to come together as a church to pray for the things that God's leading us to do. So let's pray that our church will engage in prayer together and that we would ask God to help us to be the hope. Okay, let's pray now. Father, I wish my prayers always started with, I always give thanks. So that's the challenge for me today. And I know that you've challenged each of us at different points in the talk today. Because what you want is for us to be your representatives, your ambassadors in this world. You know, as we look at the world, that it's crazy. And that there's a light that's needed in the darkness. And you called us to be the light. So I pray that you would help us today to have the courage to say we want to pray. I mean, we may be saying, I've never prayed before. Well, this is a chance. We've just given you clear directions on how you can engage in prayer. 
And you're not responsible for the outcomes. You're only responsible to pray. So, Father, I thank you for Jesus. <coughs> and I pray that out of our relationship with him, that we would be eager to engage in prayer. We would realize that as we get to know you, Jesus, that we want others to experience you in the same way that we have and that we do. It's in your name we pray. Amen.